listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, the PuttCast. Putt is a not-for-profit industry watchdog organization dedicated to exposing the truth about the shady, abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers and how they affect American patients, healthcare providers, and taxpayers. On the PuttCast, we'll talk to pharmacy industry experts, influencers, and patients, always with the goal of bringing the truth, transparency, and solutions to America's prescription drug affordability crisis. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the PuttCast. This is Monique Whitney. I am the host. I am also the executive director of Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. And today we are going to be talking with two ladies who are behind a project that many of us in the pharmacy industry are excited about. We're looking forward to. There's quite a lot of buzz. I am, of course, talking about the upcoming documentary called Would You Like Shots With That? And I'm so very pleased to welcome our two guests today. The first is Anais Webster Minuti. She is the producer and director of the documentary. Anais, do you want to say hi? Hi. Hello, everybody. We are so glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. And then Kim Kessler, who is the story producer. Kim, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. I'm so glad that you're here. So we all met, uh, actually, we started an email conversation and we met at the National Community Pharmacists Association meeting back in October. And you were there with a good friend of our organization, Loretta Bosing. Uh, that was my first exposure to, to the project and how truly big it is and how real it is. I imagine neither of you are pharmacists, so I would love to just maybe find out uh, whoever would like that to. That is not true. I am a pharmacist. Oh, you are a pharmacist. Okay. Yes. All right. I see. <laughs> Wonderful. Yay. Okay, good. Well, then that gives a certain depth to the conversation that, that we're going to have today about this documentary, because I think one of the things that so many of us are, are wanting to know is how did you get interested in this project? What was the motivation for it? Um, Yeah, I can jump in and start with that question. So um, yeah, my name's Anais and I am a pharmacist. So I worked for Walgreens as a technician and an intern while I was in school. And I was, um, I didn't stay on um, because Walmart really enticed me with a bathroom break and a lunch. (laughs) And that's why I switched to Walmart. Um, Powerful incentives, bathroom break and a lunch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> those basic things yeah. and I was like "Ooh, there's a bathroom in the pharmacy and I get a lunch and they're not going to float me super far and sold and so then um, while I was at Walmart I was a staff pharmacist there and then I was actually one of their um, clinical um, pharmacy clinical services managers so I did a lot of their MTMs and shot clinics and helping integrate um, those different things into the stores and it was a cool position because you still worked in a store so you got to see how what you were telling them and what our home office was telling us that um, you got to see it in action because you worked as a regular pharmacist half your time and so it was a really slick job really fun I liked my stores we did really well Um, but then one day they're like we're shrinking the program by about half and I was told you live too far away from the regional office out here. That is the reason we cannot keep you on. And so they're like, you want a staff pharmacist position? I said, sure. Took that for a little bit. But then I was like, 
hey, let's change. And I will just try something totally different. So I went over and worked at the worked at a hospital, but stayed on with Walmart. And it was fun. I got to um, know a lot of people over the years. So I um, liked working with them. And then I was still seeing my like regulars and meeting new um, patients and customers and getting to do quality counsels because Walmart actually, um, they do treat you pretty well as a pharmacist. Um, honestly, compared to a lot of other companies out there, Walmart does a pretty good job. And I will definitely, I'm happy to say that um, because they do. And um, COVID uh, did destabilize that and kind of, it was just a resource issue. And I felt like the balance shifted where they did try to pour resources into us. At first we were doing a lot of the vaccine clinics and it was outside of the workflow itself. And they were um, getting technicians trained. And then a lot of that just, it slowly over time shifted to going back into the regular workflow. And when that happened, I was like, I don't think I can continue to do this safely and in the way that I want to practice as a pharmacist. And then meanwhile, Twitter is blowing up. Pharmacy Twitter is blowing up with all of the problems that are happening throughout the country. And it's not just us. It's not just our stores. It's everywhere. And so I actually write outside of pharmacy. That's how I know Kim. She, we started off as editor client. She was my editor for my first novel. And um, then we really liked working together. So we were working on a project and I would text her tweets about pharmacy and say, look at this tweet, look at this tweet. And um, then I was like, one day I texted her, basically pharmacy is falling apart. We should do a documentary. And you can see that text on our website. The whole text exchange is there. <laughs> and then Kim was like, I have a friend who can help us. And she basically was like, let's go, let's do it. So I think that's a good segue over to Kim and how you slot in and introducing Ethan, who you brought along. Yeah. So um, I'm not a pharmacist. I worked in banking for a long time. And then now I am an editor and a writer. Um, my husband and I both quit our banking jobs to do this like passion careers thing. And it's insane and amazing. Um, and so, yeah, so I've just been studying storytelling for um, five plus years and that's yeah so that's how I know Ana East um and I got to work with her on her amazing crazy black mirror novel and you know we just we have other really awesome tv pilots and stuff that we've been working on so yeah so she sends me this text um about about a store in her area in Oregon um that was like 3,000 prescriptions behind and I'm like that sounds like a lot, but I have no idea what that means. Like, how many do you do a day? Like, cause I just, I don't know. I remember as a teller back in my banking days, like if someone hit 300 transactions, which was actually 200 because we always started off at like 101 was always where it started. So if someone hit over 300 transactions, like that was a big deal. So I'm like, how many, how many scripts are you feeling? You know? And so she was like, no, this is like at least a week behind. And I was like, Oh my God. Cause so in my head, I'm playing it out going. So if I called my refill in today, I wouldn't get it for at least a week because, you know, and I'm just like, and I'm just like, Oh my God, I, that's 
crazy. That's crazy. And to interject, and so, that store is still that far behind. I was uh, talking to someone who went there recently. So uh, it's just it's not getting yeah, better. Not getting better. And that's just crazy. It's so crazy. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so, you know, so she's telling me this and I like in that moment, I, you know, understand at least a glimpse of like how, you know, what a big problem that is and, and understanding where that problem comes from because they're so busy doing all these vaccines and they don't have enough staff and there's like all of this stuff. That's why they're behind. Right. And so anyway, so understanding the, the scope and like the seriousness of the issue. And then Ani's being like, some, somebody's got to do something about this. Someone's got to, you know, we got to whistle blow or whatever. So that's very exciting territory for a storyteller. Like, oh yeah, we've got a real story here. Um, and so um, I do writing and filmmaking. Um, and m- so my filmmaking buddy, Ethan, he bleeds documentary, right? Like that's like his heart and soul. And those are the kinds of projects we were trying to find knowing that like, okay, Here's like people that I already work with and that I love that just don't know each other. Um, so I do my librarian of life and I'm like, oh, you need to meet this person. So I uh, connected them via email and Ethan is adorable. And he was like, hmm, I don't know a lot about pharmacy. Like I'm going to have to do some research. And so he goes and he, well, by that, he literally means he's going to go like Google things and watch videos and read about it. And so then about a month, he goes silent for like a month. And then a month later, he replies, there's a lot of frustration in this subreddit. And it's basically um, on Reddit, something for pharmacy techs talking about all, you know, how shitty their wages are and all the problems and just all the customers that are yelling at them and just the whole mess of everything. And that was Ethan's like in, like as soon as it was like, oh, these are real people. And these are like the underdogs who are being underpaid. They're not the pharmacists. They're like, you know, like that was instantly his pulled on his heartstrings for like, that's a true human story. And I want to be a part of it. So, right. Like that was like how it's all, how it all starts. And Anis uh, came up with the amazing, would you like shots with that? title um because yeah it's the fast foodification of pharmacy like everybody feels like i want i want my prescription and i want it now and you know you messed it up and there's cheese on it and i didn't want cheese and like you know there's all this stuff um but in this case when you get cheese on something um you know if you mess up a prescription right like it's could be really really dangerous and the reason why they're messing up prescriptions is because they have too much to do. You know, it's right. It's funny. It's funny to take something as like blase as fast food and tie it to something as serious as your, you know, the medications that you use to, you know, stay healthy, alive, like all of those things. And yeah, you make, you make a mistake on one thing. It's not a big deal. You make a mistake over here. It's a really big deal. So, um, you know, we're using a lot of humor and satire and, and just these juxtaposition of these weird things um just to help not only just demonstrate the uh the kind of the insanity that's going on right and um but also just to help us process it because otherwise it's really big and really scary right like to think about um how things have you know have gotten away from everyone and and just the real what's really happening to not only to patients, but also, you know, certainly to the pharmacists and pharmacy techs who are working and the mental health load and all of these things, like the layers of the story just keep going. And, and so again, for Ethan and I, 
who are not pharmacists, um, are not, you know, in the medical field, all of that is very compelling. And I use a pharmacy, you know, like um, we use it, you know, we have family that do like it affects everyone. Right. Um, and so everyone has skin in this game and we just want to tell a story that the general public can recognize that this is about them too. So it's, I'm just so excited with the project and getting to do deep, meaningful storytelling. Um, that is, yeah, is going to have a legitimate impact on literally all of these mm-hmm. people, right? So. And it already is. And that's and the part is. that's so amazing. So at work yesterday, um, one of my coworkers, so without any retail background, was like, I really wanted to blow up at this Walgreens because it's so far behind. And he's like, I thought about your sizzle reel video because and I thought you know what it's not their fault it's not their fault that any of this is happening and I was like that's amazing that's Mm -hmm. so exciting that that two minute video got someone to not lose their temper with the staff Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what we want to do only one piece there's a lot more we'd like to empower people to do with our story and with this project but if nothing else you have access to just go I'm just going to stand here patiently and not yell at you everyone has access to that right (laughs) so yeah yeah, making an impact already so that's fantastic in in just the the few minutes that you've been speaking you've already created a world of what the issues are in pharmacy. And I was thinking it's fascinating because it's it's a world and what really is a solar system of problems in the mm-hmm. pharmacy industry. You were calling it the fast foodification and I thought that was pretty brilliant. Uh, we talk about it at PUT as the commoditization, mm-hmm. the, the, this idea that getting your prescription medication from a, your pharmacy, which is run by a pharmacist who is a medical doctor and a, you know, a trained staff, somehow getting it there is the same as picking up your paper towels and, you know, your dish soap and maybe some lipstick or, you know, whatever else you, you might get. And, and like somehow it's been downgraded to that. And yet it's, it's a, it's a full-on medical discipline. You know, it is conducted by, by real human beings who do the very best they can with these as you so beautifully, you know, illustrated these these very difficult conditions. What what is the scope of the documentary? I'm curious about that because, you know, as I say, we met, we were at, we all were at NCPA together, and you all were with our friend Loretta, and she is an advocate for temperature regulation in uh, mail order pharmacy because of a you know a thing that happened with her son, and it's possible we we think certain linkage to his medication being delivered and spoiled in the, you know, climate that it was delivered in. But I'm just curious, what what is the direction that you're taking this documentary? Oh, yes. We love talking about that because we get to tell our fun titles. So um, (laughs) with this documentary, when we first started doing it, we thought feature length documentary. We, at first I thought docuseries and then we um, went back to kind of movie length. And now we've since come around back to, docu-series and the reason it's expanded again is because the issue is so big 
we were like, we can't just start into workplace conditions because people don't understand the fundamentals of what is even happening in a pharmacy. So we're like, we have to slow it like way down and go way back to, okay, what is even happening in a pharmacy? Most pharmacists are doctors. This is how licensing works. They go to school, like all of these basics. This is how a prescription is filled. So we want to start there, um, but really start from the, the patient angle because the majority, everyone is a patient eventually. Everyone gets sick eventually or is or is has a chronic condition and is taking medication or has a family member that does. Pharmacy touches everyone. And so we are all patients and we want to start from that really humanizing angle that, yes, it is really frustrating when you go up to the pharmacy counter and none of your stuff is ready and it feels like fast food. Why isn't my burger done? So that's where we're going to we're going to meet people where they are, which is why we focus we're focusing so heavily on Loretta's story and other patients, because we want people to feel very connected with that before we start branching out into connecting them to the humans that are pharmacists and pharmacy technicians and other experts within the field. So episode one is called McPharmacy. And so McPharmacy is just basic pharmacy education. What is a pharmacy? What is a pharmacist? How does any of this work? So by the end of that episode, we want people to be watching and feel like, okay, it feels like patient versus pharmacist to start. But by the end, it's okay, wow, we're on the same team. They are under a lot of constraints. Okay, who is constraining them? It must be corporate. It's corporate. That's the issue. And so we go into the workplace conditions. That episode is titled, Come Visit Satan. So come visit Satan. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's, it's so amazing. I love it. It's so fun. And so with Come Visit Satan, we get into all of what we're seeing in the media. The pizza is not working movement. All of the labor issues. All of the fake pharmacist shortage, but it's not really a shortage. It's a shortage of people who want to be abused and have exited the profession for that reason. So we go into all of these really hard workplace issues. And we can contrast that with um, our independent pharmacy friends because we are seeing that most of the stories that we're getting from independent pharmacy have nothing to do with workplace conditions. There are some because it's like anything, there's a range, but the vast majority of independent pharmacy stories that we get have nothing to do with workplace conditions. They're like, we love our staff. We treat them so well. It's amazing. So that's a great parallel to be like, this is what's happening over here versus over here in chain corporate world. And look at how different these two things are. And then kind of caught in the middle are those smaller chains who generally are doing pretty well, but are also having a lot of the same constraints that independent pharmacies are. And so once we tell people, hey, there's a lot of workplace abuse and workplace violations going on and really toxic workplace environments. And we let people know that this is going on and let them know it doesn't have to be that way. Look at these pharmacies who aren't abusing their staff and they also fill prescriptions too. And they also do a lot of great services like clinical services and helpful things for patients as well. So we're going to get people thinking, hold on. So why are they treating people like this? Why not just staff their stores? That's when we pull back and it's patient and pharmacist versus the PBMs, really. And 
a lot of it comes down to reimbursement. So we're going to talk about the reimbursement landscape in pharmacy. And so that one's called PBM Mafia. And so in PBM Mafia, we really get to the heart of the asymmetrical contracting where it's like the independents are getting one type of contract versus chains that are getting another type of contract, talking about gag clauses, talking about people who worked at PBMs, because there's a lot of really great pharmacists who we've talked to who are stuck in the behemoth of what is a PBM. And they're stuck there the same reason someone is stuck at a CVS. They, at the end of the day, do have to feed their family, have a job, but a lot of those people are starting to leave. And that's mostly who talks to us is people who have left, but they're good people who are trapped in a bad system. And so we want to talk about what did they see um, the people on the inside. What did you see? What was that ethical reason that you left? Or for pharmacies that have shut down, what caused it? How was, what is negative reimbursement? That doesn't make sense. You don't go to McDonald's and pay them less than it costs to get the fries. Like what? That doesn't make any sense at all. So we'll go into that whole landscape of what reimbursement looks like, talking about things like discount cards, $4 lists, and all of the different angles. And from there, sort of touch on the broader issues of health insurance, but that's a huge scope already, even with just PBM. So it's mostly going to be related to PBM and PBM issues. And then from there, that's kind of our dark night of the soul. Like, oh, how do I fight this? And so episode four is all about hope and it is called pizza is not working or hashtag pizza is not working is the name of that episode because there's a lot of great things in pharmacy. We want to show the audience, this is why you're fighting for pharmacy. This is why it matters. This is why the answer isn't, well, what if we just cooled the trucks down though and did mail order? Cause that sounds like a good option. It's like, that should be one option. One option for people should be get mail order that's safely delivered to patients. But that should be one of many because if you are using pharmacist clinical knowledge about medications, then you can do a lot more than being tied to a product. So that commoditization that we need to break that link and let pharmacists use their knowledge to help improve patient outcomes. So we want to show people who are doing that really well. And so we're going out and we're having a lot of hopeful episodes. And yeah, the ep last episode's just it's all about hope and it's going to be amazing. And all of this doesn't fit in a documentary. So we're also writing a companion book that's going to go alongside with the film version. That's so amazing. I love, love, love how you have structured that. It's so right on. The Come Visit Satan is hilarious. That's yeah, so funny. We were so like, it was another you possibly mean. That, we on that was like, oh, they said it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I see this all over Twitter, but it's just so hilarious that. And I had never heard it before. And so I didn't know what it meant. Um, and then he, they explained it. I think, were we on a pharmacy tech podcast? We were that? on, um, yes, we were on one of the pharmacy tech podcasts. And it was, yeah, I just laughed so hard. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. It's amazing. So in all the, the interviews that you've done with people, what are some of the stories that stand out to you? Oh my goodness. So what, <clears throat> one thing that's been so amazing just across all of them is, you know, when we ask people, what would you do? Like if pharmacy was in your hands and you got to like do whatever you wanted, what would you do? And, you know, how would you fix it? And it's such a 
basic answer. What people say is they just want to staff their stores. They want people to have enough time to counsel properly. They want to be able to, you know, um, to do the med rec or like to really like go through and talk someone through all the medications that they're on and like find better options. Like there's all of these just really amazing patient care things that people want to be able to do. Um, to answer the phone. They really want to be able to answer the phone. They really want to be able to call a doctor and they really want to be able to like just do the job the way that it needs to be done and um, with the utmost care and safety and um, and all of that. And yeah, they would just staff stores. They would staff stores. They would take away the metrics. They would, you know, and it's so basic. And it's like, man, like, and that was everybody, like across the board, everybody just, it's like the job is great when it's great. Like, you know, it's like, they love their job. They love their patients and customers. Like they really do. And yeah, and we all want to pay tax more. That was one thing. Everybody wants to pay tax. Um, that's going to be a, a fun uh, montage we get to have sort of like in the in the series um, because we've been taking pictures um, of everywhere we go. We'll see like a KFC or a Target or whatever, like what wage they're starting out. And we have a lot of people who've told us what they make as a pharmacy tech and they're not the same. <laughs> so, you know, just... It's been really um, amazing for me to just get to hear from all of these amazing, um, you know, pharmacists and pharmacy techs who who really, really care um, about what they're doing. And they're so, there's no ego in what they do. Like they don't want anything, it's nothing fancy, you know, they just, they just want to be able to do the jobs. And so, yeah, that's been, that was really um, just striking to me. Once you hear what all the problems are and you really like understand like, yeah, how deep it goes into the crazy PBM thing. And then it's like everybody that's just like, we just, we just want, I want to be able to do my, do the checks. You know, I don't want to feel like I have to just okay something just to move it along when I really should stop and I should call. Let's see, Anise, what were some other, what were some of the other interviews that we feel like? Have yeah. Been so like? um, with the interviews, we've done a lot of, um, what are called pre-interviews in the documentary space. And those are really just like the informal conversations that you have before you find out where someone fits into your larger project. So we've done like um, hundred, over a hundred, couple hundred of those. And so um, it's basically, we've had a lot of off the record conversations with people, which has been really awesome because people are willing to say a whole lot off the record, which I think is an interesting thing to highlight is, We've been able to get a ton of people to talk to us because they're like, oh, cool, you're not recording right now. So I think that's a really interesting point to make is people are like, want to tell their story, but are scared because we've had a lot of those. And we're like, oh, cool, we'd love to advance you to the next step of our documentary and like have you, we'd love to come out to you and actually do a formal interview, or we'd like to do a formal Zoom interview where we record the conversation we just had people get really, really scared. And that's when we stop, they are like, oh, I'm okay, never mind. And we have a lot of people who have come forward and want to go to that next step and are ready to go on camera. But it's a pretty small percentage of people who are willing to take the next step. So I think that's really telling about what the landscape is, is that people are like, they'll be telling you all kinds of stuff off the record, like things that you're like, wow, that's, it shouldn't have happened like that. That is mm -hmm. like some, that actually is some mafia stuff, but um, they're like, oh no, I don't want to 
like put myself out there like this. Like one person we talked to, they were like, remember, once you start filming, you've never met me. And I was like, that's really powerful. And yeah, that's retaliation is real. Like that's been something yeah. else too. That's been, you know, just the retaliation stories and just the fear, um, man, like yeah. some of the a lot covert, of- uh, recordings of meetings with people's district managers and like the stuff that they say like it's it's crazy the physical safety in the stores that's something we didn't expect um a lot of yeah. stores like physically aren't that safe like we bees had, and rats but yeah and bees and rats and like one person or, almost know, had a filing like cabinet that. like they didn't check like do the stud finding right and so she was climbing in to like get one of her prescription books out and it the thing tipped on her and the only reason it didn't like crush her is because it got stuck on the shelf behind her and so yeah wow that that I must admit I that's the last thing I would have expected to hear though I think in the environment that you've been describing it's not surprising I mean if you don't have time to have lunch or go to the bathroom or, you know, and many of the things that have been documented, uh, how in the world are you, you know, going to know if your own pharmacy is, is safe. Although that's not an excuse. <laughs> Says someone who's also a patient. That's not an excuse. Please clean up the mold, but wow, that's, that is really something really, really something. So I, so I, I can hear in both of your speaking, how, very touched you are by the people you've been meeting and how much like I, I suspect this is going in a direction you probably never thought it actually would yeah definitely yes so it's been a wild so drinking from a fire hose is a very apt metaphor for all of this because um when we started the twitter and the website and email it um one of the meme sites found us and um started talking about us and so every all of the stories started pouring in and we were having several, several calls, Zooms a week. And we just were it was like drinking from a fire hose and we're constantly going. And at this point there literally were just three of us. And so uh, we're trying to take it all in and absorb the story. And then for Kim and Ethan, it's even harder because it's like, they're not pharmacists. They have no background. So they're trying to like um, learning curve pharmacy and figure out what's going on. And we're taking all these stories in and people are so excited um, so that's when we finally took a step back to be like, okay, we've gotten a lot of, um, stories from these pre-interviews. Let's, um, ask some people if we can use some of their stories and put it out there. And that's when we cut together a little sizzle reel video because we're like, okay, we want to start fundraising for our first trip. Ethan cut that together and we put it out and it just kind of went and did its own thing, I guess, in the world. And so it really took off a lot of the pharmacy um, meme sites and other social media platforms. Um, they really promoted it for us and we were able to raise $22,000 for our first trip within three weeks. Mm-hmm. And amazing. it was amazing. And so we're like, that's the reason we could go to Oklahoma city. We were following Loretta and there was a few other people who were going to be in our film, like Dan Schneider from the Netflix pharmacist is going to be in there. And then, we were able to meet with a pharmacy technician and get her story while we were out there. And so we were just able to capture a lot of footage from that first trip, just based on this two minute video that um, was cut together with TikToks and Zoom footage. And so we're like, we had zero budget when we did this and it's this emotionally powerful. 
Mm-hmm. Imagine what we could do if we were fully financed mm-hmm. and, or if we had not even fully financed, but had some financing. And then that's why people were so ready to just um, support us in taking that trip. And then um, we fundraised more so that we could go to NCPA and like Shane, the accidental pharmacist actually paid for Loretta's ticket so that she could come with us, which was amazing because she got to meet a lot of her advocate partners in this fight. And so she was so super, super excited that she was able to go. And then NCPA, they let us film in there. We were like, that's amazing mm-hmm. that they're like, yeah, get in here, like start filming people. And then um, when we were able to film with you guys, when we were doing some like, just after hours, like work and just getting the story and like getting a lot of that raw footage. So it's just been going at an intense, like blistering, amazing, fun pace. And mm-hmm. what people don't understand about film is like, it's been a little less than a year and we're in production of any kind is amazing. Like most films would be in the pre-production phase, which is like getting all the pre-interviews, getting people lined up, um, making sure you have um, crew and staff and everything. That's a year to two process. So that's like two years right there. And then being in production, that's several more years. And then post-production can take years. So it's like documentary is a slow process and so people have been really excited about this project for a long time but it's just letting people know this is blistering like we are going actually really really fast for the filmmaking world Mm -hmm. so don't worry like it may feel like quote feel slow to people but it's like we assure you it is going really fast (laughs) and so and it's coming like it's it's coming and it's yeah we actually from those first two trips have enough footage of Loretta um, to cut her her own short film, which we're going to use as a longer proof of concept video to hit the festival circuit with. We'll be Mm -hmm. applying to the Tribeca Film Festival is the first festival we're going to apply to. And it's really just going to document her story arc with her advocacy and with her son and her family. And it's really um, shaping up to be a very powerful film because she has a very powerful story. She's really charismatic. She's really emotional and it's just everything a film needs and so we're going to use that to be like this is just one story we want to tell Mm -hmm. out of the larger project we've just been really blessed on how Mm -hmm. it's going so are there people on or off the record who stood out to you when you were doing your interviews it's almost like so many like so many compelling stories and so many compelling people um and so we're really having to be um disciplined i guess about the story and making sure um you know about how we're going to use their stories in but like we've met i i think the first time that i actually felt hope about pharmacy um after like you know learning all of this stuff and just being so like oh my gosh this is just so intense and how are we ever going to come back from this and like all of this but then we met ed Ullman? I Ullman. Mm-hmm. okay good okay that is right ed Ullman, and he is in new york and um his wellness rx is his company and basically it's creating a nonprofit community pharmacy model um, and what they're doing and the way that they are funding that and his whole goal for it and just getting to meet him and his team like the passion and the the just 
he's been he's like 70 years 70 plus years yeah he he is he's been in pharmacy forever he's done a million things and he 100 understands like what the job of a pharmacist is and he's you know it's just meeting him and his team and what they're doing it lit me up because i would and i finally was like thank you like i just was so grateful to go okay there's hope like this is you know an alternative pharmacy model that can operate outside of the regular profit model um and be sustainable and really allow they're doing so many amazing clinical services and mental health counseling and like all kinds of really fabulous things and so much um personal care and like attention to people like the way that they interact with kids when they come in and just really making it that that f- there's just a vibe that they bring and it's beautiful so i so when we met ed and his team it was so powerful and i was like just thank you like we have an ending like he was like finally where i was like ah oh, this is the ending like this is the ending of the of the the documentary and then we've just since since then we've just found more and more people who are doing whether it's a you know alternative pharmacy model um just different different things that they're doing and you know different cool technologies that they're doing different advocacy different um you know wins you know in um you know even like people are starting to connect just the pharmacy working conditions problem to the opioid epidemic and like getting to make that connection. We've talked to some really amazing um, lawyers in California who are making that case. And so just seeing like how these pieces are coming together and the needles are being moved in different areas. And so that I'm so excited for episode four of the docuseries because it's going to highlight all of these amazing things. And so that's been, um, I, man, I, Ethan and I both, we were like, we've really needed this. <laughs> we needed to know that there is hope and that there are people who are, who can find a way forward, you know, and they're being innovative enough to, to, you know, challenge the status quo. And so, yeah, that's been, that's been fabulous. Mm-hmm. Anis, what, what other ones besides Loretta do, have you felt like oh, the most there's moved too, by? there's so many. And that's what makes it so tough <laughs> because I could name so many, like Kent O'Shea, mm-hmm. he's so great, so passionate, um, mm-hmm. the Pharmacist who was in the recent New York Times article um, that came out earlier this year, Wes Hick, um, Wes, who, yeah, Hickman is his last name, who was in a New York Times article in 2018, super, super passionate. Um, there's a lot of people who've been in the field doing this advocacy work for years and decades, like Don Downing up in Washington, and then there's Scott Kanor and Antonio Chacha and mm-hmm. just like really great well, um, and certainly bled experts. I think it all bled. started with bled yeah. oh my gosh. I feel like yes, we just have course. to pause and go like the work that bled has done she was our first contact um basically and getting everything that she's done almost more like behind the scenes the her networking that she's done and advocacy and just really like pounding the pavement for pharmacy and workplace conditions like she is the the pharmacy network right like if you so like getting in touch with her um was awesome because we we would reach out you know we're on twitter we're reaching out people are reaching out to us and like we're like hey do you want to talk to us they would check with bled like mom is it okay if i talk to them are they safe like it's like Mm -hmm. because they know like 
Bled's integrity is so fantastic um, that, you know, if Bled says you're okay, you're okay, right? Like, yep. and she's not going to lie. She's not going to, she's going to be like, no, don't talk to them. They're not, they're not here for us. Like they're, they have their own agenda. Like, so the fact that she vetted us, gave us such an amazing access to people because she built so much trust in everything she was doing and we connected with her and, you know, we have um, a connection and relationship with her. She's we able to, we were able to vicariously get the, gain that trust as well. And so mm-hmm. having people trust you is the only way that they talk to you and share the truth, especially when, you know, fear and retaliation is, is such a big deal. So yeah, anyway, blood's been amazing. You know, we had blood on our podcast about a year ago and we can't say enough good things about her. And she's just a working mom. She's just like a regular pharmacist. It's not like she intended to be an advocate. She was an accidental advocate and then has just run with it, which is such an amazing part of her story. And that's why it parallels so well with Loretta's story, Mm -hmm. um, because it's just people who are just regular people. And that's really powerful for an audience to see. These aren't like superstars or like, people who were born with a ton of advantages or anything like that. It's just regular people making a difference, like mm-hmm. one person at a time, one connection at a time. And so it's like, that can be you if you want to be like, you can have access to being that type of advocate. It takes a special person, but it takes a special ordinary person, mm-hmm. not a special, like, wow, they've been gifted with all of these super advantages or anything like that and that's why they're the way they are it's just like they're just ordinary people and so that can be you too and that's what we really want to instill in people if you want to take up the charge you totally can if you want to Mm -hmm. it's a big banner that we're trying to carry you have a spot right here you grab this part I'll grab this part and we'll like carry it forward each individual person can um, make a difference and, and move it forward and and also it takes all of us, right? Like it's, it takes everyone to, um, to do that. Cause it's a cultural change, right? Like the fact that like, we all treat picking up our prescription as a grocery run. Oh, I got to, you know, check my mail and I've got to like run through Burger King or whatever, like, because we're putting it on that level and we've been, so our minds have been commodity, commodity, commodity. I can't say the word. Anyway, because, um, because of that, like it's like capitalism is like a culture in your head. And like, we almost don't know how to operate, you know, we don't know how to operate outside of it and, or how to operate in parallel with it. And just having individuals, um, be downgraded, you know, to whether it's by PBMs that are downgrading really patients and the pharmacy staff. What was the thing about um, where the med got taken off of the list and made it impossible to get? And so oh, like, non-medical switching that. Yeah. Those kinds of things have been, again, just really mind blowing to me because it just becomes about money rather than about actual patient care. Uh, my question is, how can those of us who are listening today to this podcast, how can we contribute what are your funding goals? Just if you could just give us a picture of what you need and, and how people can contribute. Yeah, so there's um, multiple ways you can contribute and um, we won't sugarcoat it when we say filmmaking is very expensive. 
So when you hear movie budgets of like, oh, wow, $70 million, not saying that this is $70 million, but um, when you hear that, it's because labor is expensive. Having good people to be able to do their jobs well and have enough time and not feel pressured is expensive. And we're fortunate that we don't have things like special effects. We're not reenacting anything. We're not hiring actors to play any sort of role, but it's still a lot of money and it does add up. And so if we'll start with just letting people know how much money that we need for the full project, and it's around $2 million to do this project the way that we want to, the way that we know how to have the most excellent high quality project that will make its way onto a major streaming service, you have to put money behind it. And that's how much it would cost if a non-independent team did it. We just happen to be an independent film team. It would cost the same as if Netflix took up that ball and ran with it. So it's just, that's about how much it costs to do a project of this scope. But with that being said, don't be scared of that number because those small dollar amounts that $1, that $5 going into our GoFundMe, that got us our first two trips. That's mm-hmm. the reason we have any footage at all is mm-hmm. because people were like, I don't have $2 million, but I have one. I have $1, mm-hmm. let me give it to you. And so it's just that crowdfunding is really important. So each trip costs about twenty-two dollars to $25,000, depending on what part of the country we're going to. And how long the shoot is when we pay for travel costs and labor and room and board, et cetera. That's about how much it costs to take a trip. So we've been doing one trip at a time. And so there's nothing wrong with that. So if you only have a dollar, put it in that GoFundMe or buy some merch. We also have merch on our website. Check it out. The other way you can support us, if you say you have a little bit more ability to give financially, We do have some sponsorship opportunities for individuals as well as businesses. So for our individuals, our sponsorship starts at $1,000. And we do have um, at least a couple of individual sponsors. And that's you get your name on our website and you get a shout out in the credits. Then from there, we go up into the producer tier. So the first producer tier is associate producer starting at 10,000 for an individual. And we have at least one associate producer. And so um, Eric Geyer, political pharmacist is one of our producers and he put a big financial commitment in there and you do get a potential return on investment should the film be able to return that money to you. So it is actually an investment. It is not just a donation. And so, yeah, that starts at 10,000 and you get a credit as well as an associate producer in our credits. Then we also have executive producer. And so for individuals that starts at 30,000 and you get a potential for 120% of your investment with that same things as before mentioned on our website and a credit, um, a producer credit as well as an executive producer on a docu-series, which is, that's pretty cool in its own right. And then with all of that being said, if you're like, well, I have $30,000 but I'm scared of retaliation. You can anonymously be a producer as well. You can be anonymous CVS pharmacist one in our credits. If you want and need that protection, mm-hmm. we are down. We will protect your identity if you don't feel like you can give openly. Mm-hmm. So that's the individual tiers. And then 
for the business tiers, we start our sponsorship at 3000. So we do have one of our sponsors is the Oregon State Pharmacy Association. They are one of our business sponsors and they were like, we really support your project and put some money forth. Then from there, the producer tiers are 50,000 for associate producer for a business. And then um, that's 100% of investment. Should we be able to give you that money back um, after the project is all said and done? And then the executive producer level for a business is 100,000 and above with a potential for 120% return on investment. Mm -hmm. And I think just as a, a clarification, right? Like the GoFundMe, right? We've funded two trips from people donating that way. And each trip we're gaining this footage and we were able, you know, we have just from people reaching out to us from the very beginning and being and willing to talk to us, we were able to get two minutes, right? We got our two minute sizzle and we launched our GoFundMe with a two minute sizzle. And then we were able to get, you know, we raised $22,000 and we were able to go to Oklahoma city to get footage there. Um, and a huge amount of that footage is Loretta. And then we were able to fundraise again to go to Kansas city to get more Loretta footage. So now from that, we're able to put, we're going to put together two things. We're going to put together a 20 minute short film that we are going to um, apply to Tribeca Film Festival with and others. And we're also going to put together a 10 minute sizzle reel. Um, that's going to be sort of a combination of the first two minute sizzle we had, and then some of Loretta's story and some of additional footage that we have. And we're actually going to take that and we're going to go ahead and start shopping streamers now. So like every donation that we get, funds the project forward. So even, yes. so again, that's the point is that it doesn't matter if it's not, if we don't have $2 million right now, we have enough to take the next right step in the filmmaking process. So we um, were able to get on a plane and fly to New York and we're going to go to Ed Ullman's Wellness RX, like grand opening um, mm -hmm. where they, you know, cut the ribbon with they the big the, scissors mm -hmm. and the whole thing and getting that on footage. Like, that's amazing. That's part of episode four that we need. And it shows other investors who do have the 50k or the 100k that there's real content here and this is like really compelling and it gives them the feeling of like in you know an investor's you know safety net that they're like okay this is real mm -hmm. and that's all we need right we that's just all we need, need exactly one. and once you you know that's that thing about like by um by us you know by Anna East being brave enough to say we need to do a freaking documentary and um Ethan and I being crazy enough to join in and then start the Twitter and for everyone else to be you know brave enough to go I want to share my story with you and you know every person that donates like this is all of us just being brave mm -hmm. and like doing a courageous thing in yeah. community so that we yeah, can like really when Eric like, gave us it. that oh man ten thousand dollars and he says that very he's like very candid about it. He's like, I'm putting in $10,000. And like when he did that, that paid for a pretty, very significant portion of our trip to NCPA. So that was the reason we could take that trip was a combination of- I mean, we were down to the wire on that Yeah, one. we were down to the wire. It was crowdfunding and that contribution is yeah. what's going to get us a product that we are able to confidently submit it to Tribeca. It is a very prestigious film festival. So it's, there's a lot of really excellent films that we're competing against to get selected for that. But we have a very, very good chance of making it. We have a super high quality product and that's because of contributions from our community. 
So what we're asking is be a part of this community driven project. Mm -hmm. That's how it gets done. Like Mm -hmm. without your help, none of this happens. And like, because of your help, Hey, we've done two trips and we're about to take a third Mm -hmm. in um, April. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Ladies, your enthusiasm is so contagious. And as we come to the the end of the podcast, I just, again, want to say thank you so much for everything you're doing for the, the, the vision, you know, for myself as someone who uh, is a patient and really, I, I do love my pharmacy and I've come to love them even more having worked at the job that I do here with Putt. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for advocating on behalf of what is a really, you know, beautiful industry. And just so, so everyone knows the best place to, to fundraise is your GoFundMe site. Is that right? Is there any other places that people can or should be checking out to be able to send money to the project? Yeah. So if you um, just go to our website, um, shotswiththat.com, and from there, you can find links to either go to the GoFundMe if you want to make that donation or how to reach out to us directly if you would like to take that next step to be a sponsor, an associate producer, or an executive producer. So just shotswiththat.com is the best place to go. Okay, perfect. And that's also our social media handle. It is shotswiththat on all of the social media platforms, whichever is your preferred, you can find us there. Yeah, I think that's actually a good thing to remind us about social media. We certainly love social media, as anyone who follows Pat knows. So, uh, all right. So Anais Webster Minuti, Kim Kessler, ladies, thank you for joining us and for sharing your project. And to everyone listening, please, please check out their website and please contribute to this project. It will make such a huge difference for our industry and in getting this, what can be a very complicated story at times to be told, but a story that must be told. Uh, And to all of you listening, thank you for joining us today. We always love your feedback. Please let us know your thoughts and comments. And until next time, this is Monique Whitney and the podcast. 